Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat. You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Thursday night, January 7th. Recording for our Friday, January 8th episode. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, who is enraged by his technology. Hair looking great tonight, too. And uh, it looks like Derek Henry has joined us here as well. That's how you have to you have to label this show like Baltimore Beatdown, you know, with special guest Derek Henry. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you ha- I mean, you have to advertise it as that. Yeah, maybe we will. I th- I've already got the name going here. Ever since we made the switch to live streaming, I've gotten a little less creative with the naming because of, uh, you know, just the fact that I have to write it out before. But uh, no, it is not Derek Henry, despite him having a little bit of fun with us here. It is uh, Mr. Uh, Eric Arditi. Is that how you say it? You, you nailed it. Okay. It's very rarely nailed like that but no that that's perfect well i think i i probably nailed it because you go, go by the handle of rdt so i think kind of spelling it out there and as somebody with a weird last name myself I, you know i i kind of feel a little bit of kingship with you there but here you are buddy joining us on we were talking a little bit before we got going here the pretty much almost the anniversary of the other time you were on the show to uh preview a ravens titans playoff game and as we all know didn't go great for us yeah it um it, it definitely could have gone better um I had fun watching it last year. I had fun watching the game in November. It's funny because the game, the November game was on last night as we were recording our podcast. So I was, throughout the episode, I was like narrating where we were in the game. And was like, I don't know. The Titans look dead in the water here. I don't think they can come back from this. And Banks and Taylor were not too uh, happy with that. But yeah, it's, um, it's funny. I mean, this is, we, it's going to be what the third time we've seen these two teams play in the last, I guess, calendar year. You know, and you normally don't see that if it's not a divisional opponent. And um, it's we're getting back to that early 2000s, you know, rivalry like we talked about last year. The, the, the fans don't seem to like each other very much. The teams definitely don't like each other very much. Now it seems like the coaches don't. And I mean, but again, you've got two of the two of the best teams, uh, uh, you know, I think in the AFC, two of the better teams, um, two of the most talented teams and rosters. And, and teams with a lot of fun players and a lot of just playmakers on on the uh, – 
on all sides of the ball, pretty much. Well, not the Titans defense, but, uh, you know, everywhere else pretty much. Oh, they turn into playmakers as soon as they step foot in Baltimore. Rashawn Evans, a fucking tackling machine. Kenny Vaccaro is like Jamal Adams all of a sudden. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned you mentioned that the coaches don't like each other that much, which is was made evident. And it's just such good early 2000s vibes, which you also mentioned, like chef's kiss. We're back to some good old shit stick AFC Central type football. You love to see it. You just love to see it. It feels good. Yeah, and and I mean, one of my earliest like football Baltimore Titans rivalries, like one of the moments was after I think it was after the the Ravens beat the Titans in that AFC. I guess it was the divisional round playoffs, and Brian Billick was in the locker room, and they had you know the cameras in there, and you could hear him say, you know, shut the cameras off, every everyone shut the cameras off, and that one guy kind of just like tilts his camera down so you can't see, and he says like fuck them, you know, and everyone goes crazy. Um, and yeah, so again, it's like that. I'm sure Jeff Fisher was not happy with that. And um, again, we're kind of getting back to that, like, okay, now the coaches are mixing it up. So I, I, I think the teams have a mutual respect for each other. Um, I, I, I definitely know the Titans. I mean, they, they, they respect the hell out of the Ravens just because of how they play, you know, the, the offense. And Lamar, I mean, Again, I'm not a Ravens fan, but I will. I, Lamar is worth the price of admission every single time to watch him. So I, I know some of the guys um, in the building and, and have talked to them the last couple of weeks with the Titans. And they're just like, yeah. And I was kind of echoing this on social media. And I don't know if people thought I was joking or trying to like tease people online. Like I tweeted 10 minutes into the Ravens game on Sunday, like, well, we're getting Titans Ravens again. And people were like, you know, I was getting some shit. And I was like, no, I. I don't want to play you guys. Like I don't want to play the Ravens. I'm terrified. You're like, big I time. Uh, legitimately terrified. You're terrified. big. You're big time. Michael Scott getting in front of the story on it, which I do appreciate. Um, kind of controlling the narrative. So that's uh, that's a good job by you. But uh, it is turning into a rivalry in that respect, and kind of throwback to. I was tweeting a little bit today. It reminds me of what made the Ravens Steelers like rivalry great at its best. Like in you know 08 through whatever 2012. Like two teams that are very similar kind of built in sort of throwback ways and they have a lot of big personalities. And uh, yeah, I think right down to the two quarterbacks, even being a little bit mobile, I think it's kind of a similar setup. So I like that, but you did mention kind of having the Raven stuff going on. I did want to give you a quick second to, uh, since you hopped on this podcast, I guess maybe we inspired you and uh, a couple of your friends to start a podcast of your own. So I wanted to give you a chance to do, to uh, dish on that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we're at exit 52 podcast um, on Twitter and, and, the Apple and Spotify and everywhere that you get podcasts and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, like, like we were talking about, you know, in the DMs earlier today, it's like the more the merrier. And and we love mixing it up with, with you know, with you guys and the other blogs and podcasts and all that stuff. And and I know I know you and Banks have, have now grown, you know, become friends. And, and, and like I was telling you, every, it seems that your name always comes up. You know, because again, we BS around for an hour, an hour and a half. Last night, I think we BS for like three hours before we actually hit record on the uh, on the episode. But your name always comes up, and so again, I mean, we love what you guys are doing over here, and and you know, again, we're just trying to, we're trying to, I think we're all trying to represent Baltimore the best, the best that we can. And again, I'm not, I'm not a Ravens fan, but there's some damn good sports in this town. There's some damn good personalities. There's a lot of good athletes. So we figured we'll, we'd uh, throw you know our hat in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you guys cover Terps, Orioles, I mean, everything all around. So definitely go give Exit 52 a listen if you have not, which I feel like a ton of our listeners probably have. 
Yeah, I think there's probably a good amount of uh, cross-pollination, I guess you would call it. And uh, mm-hmm. you guys are also doing a great thing with your Be More, be There for Be More campaign, too, supporting small businesses. So uh, you're off to a hot start. I'm a listener myself and uh, definitely wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, kind of pump your stuff a little bit coming on here. But uh, I guess jumping into the preview proper for the game. So like I touched on with you before we got going here, we start with the offense. So how would you kind of compare the Titans offense right now compared to where they were at the first two or the first time these two teams met back in, what was that, November? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember if Lawan. I think Lawan was already out that game. Yeah, he I was. think, yeah, he was. He, he had just gotten hurt, I think, right? Okay, yeah. I, I, did he get hurt? I think he got hurt in the Steelers Daffold game. also was out, Go- I too. Who, sorry, who was? Daffold was. As well. Yes, yeah. And, and, and then Bang, looking- Bang Jones played. He was, like, questionable, but he got in, too, I think. Yeah, he's and again, I mean, most of the guys have been banged up for a majority of the season, but I know Saffold is questionable now. I know yesterday he came out, literally came out to the media. I was like, yeah, I'm playing Sunday, like regardless. And then today, I mean, today he was questionable. I know AJ Brown um, missed a practice today, or I think he was limited today after not practicing yesterday, or or he didn't practice after being limited yesterday, whichever one. Um, but I mean, it's it's we're at that part of the season where at no, there's not a single person on any team in the NFL right now that's healthy. Um, and, and so, so the offense, it's, I mean, it's, it's still humming. I think that Ravens game was the first game of like a five or six game stretch where the Titans averaged, I think like high thirties in points. They were like reeling them off. Um, 45, 35, 31, 46. They had some, they had some nice offensive explosions and not, not that the Ravens game in November was an offensive explosion. Um, but they, I mean, they had, they had some nice, you know, efforts after that game. So I don't know what kickstarted them there. And it's funny, like Derrick Henry only had, I think 133 yards in the, in the, and like, I saw people this week on, on Facebook or, you know, in Twitter and all that being like, yeah, you know, we limited him pretty, pretty, pretty well in November. And it's like, man, if you're limiting someone and it's 133 yards, like that's insane. So he, I mean, he's going He's running the ball the best as I, that I've ever seen. Again, it's it's nuts that he can go into a Week 17 game and you can go, yeah, he's 223 yards away from 2,000. And you're like, by halftime, you're like, yeah, he's going to get it. Like, he's 110 yards away, which is, you just can't say that about many running backs. Um, I feel like the receivers are clicking more. A.J. Brown has, has really come on the last couple of weeks. And same thing, Corey Davis has been my biggest surprise of the entire year. Coming into the year after they had declined that fifth-year option, I was kind of ready to call him a bust and I mean he was a number five pick in the draft and he ended up I I can't remember if he got a thousand yards I know he was like 12 or 13 yards away um at one point in the Texans game but he he really came on and and I mentioned him last night in our podcast he's the guy that if he's going if he's over 80 90 yards it's trouble for the other team that that means that you know AJ is getting his or if they're taking if Marlon Humphrey's taking AJ Brown out of the game and then you just got Marcus Peters on on Corey Davis. I, I think a lot of the time, Corey Davis will. Corey Davis is going to get his. I think. And and again, I, I I said he was the most important player, not named Derrick Henry or AJ Brown, on the Titans' offense uh, or Ryan Tannehill. But yeah, I mean the the offense is moving. They're 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 playing pretty well. Johnny Smith started out the season hot, and he's kind of come back down to earth. He, he had an an ankle injury, I think, in the Ravens game. And 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 he had kind of slowed down, but they, they've got weapons. Um, it's just if, if Tannehill can protect the ball, I know we saw him throw that that pick, which he got just destroyed early in the game. I think second quarter, 
um, that game in November. If he, if he can hold on to the ball and and we've seen the last couple of weeks and Jake, I know you tweeted about it today. If he can make some of those plays with his legs, I mean, th- their offense is dangerous. I used to, I remember when Vince Young was a quarterback, I used to like close my eyes when he would throw because I was like, I can't, I'm going to watch a pick. I'm just terrified. And now it's just like, I'm, it, it's very rare that I've seen a Titans offense like this with the two, two legit wide receivers, a tight end and, and a beast of a running back. Spenny, right. you've been doing your your homework on this this team the last couple of days, really doing a little crash course. What have you seen out of this offense recently? It's just, I mean, we we got into it before the first matchup. Them and the Browns, to me, run a very similar offensive structure. They've got some badass big bodies, and I count the Titans receivers into big body category. Corey Davis and AJ Brown are. My I often team. I often call you a badass big body off air too, but Ooh, big boys, I got ten of those, baby. You got to you got to pay for that stuff though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Six ninety nine, baby. But they, uh, they, they got big bodies. They like to go heavy. They run those, those twelve personnel is twenty one personnel, and the Browns are a little different. But the Titans run zone scheme. Ryan Tannehill is fucking fast, and they boot off of it. And Derrick Henry is a scary motherfucker when he gets a runway. And the, uh, the, the misconception about Henry, and and it's not that like, it's not that he's not a power back, but it's that he's such a finesse back. He t- is so patient. He's so fast and explosive when he gets to the perimeter. That is what scares you. When he's running between the tackles, he can do some damage. But those when he gets a seam, when they run outside or they run front side C gap, and he just gets a seam. If somebody doesn't get off a block, if linebackers don't fill the right way, he makes you pay. And then all of a sudden, Ryan Tannehill is pretty much faster than like most defensive ends, most edge players, and they can boot off of it. And teams get really scared. They get scared of Derrick Henry, and so they want to bring a safety into the box. They want to bring eight guys into the box. And what that does is creates pretty much an island for, as you were talking about, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, who can separate. They're balanced. They are big. They have a big catch radius. They're quick. They're fast. They're strong. Especially A.J. Brown is scarier than Davis even because he's so disgusting after the catch. He can run away from you. He can run through you, break tackles and stuff. And so teams are like, well, shit, we got to put a guy in the box because Henry's going to hurt us. But Tannehill threw 31 touchdowns. Like, Tannehill is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And his ball placement is probably the best. Like, he throws into tight windows every game. Every game he squeezes balls into tight windows and hits those big body guys. And so they just get rocking side to side. The, The Titans work you laterally with the boot stuff. And then they'll sneak attack you with, you know, just some straight dropback stuff. And Tannehill is fine. I mean, he's dandy as a passer all around. Titans fans are ecstatic to have Tannehill. He is the best quarterback they've had in since McNair. Like, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P., baby. Ravens, that's where we get the handshakes. That's where we get the... Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the this the, uh, Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Common ground. But the thing is, like, teams are so scared of Henry. And in that Ravens game, the conclusion that I got to, and I guess it's more into, like, the defensive side, but... If Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry ran for, I believe, about 345 yards the last two times that the Ravens have played Derrick Henry. And like you said, Artie, uh, geez, I butchered that. But <laughs> no, you crushed <laughs> like that. Like you said, you know, he, the Ravens fans are like, oh, we contained him. I mean, he averaged 4.8 yards a carry. Like, you contained him to his standards, but you still lost. You still got run on and you still lost. So why not just drop a fucking safety and play too high? Let your front seven try to deal with Henry. And that way, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis aren't obliterating you over the middle of the field and running away from you. So then I went into SIS's database, and I was like, hmm, like, what's Ryan Tannehill's, you know, just straight numbers against cover two, cover four, and uh, man cover two, where you got two high looks, basically. And Tannehill 
threw four touchdowns, three picks, and threw like 61 completion percentage. And, uh, you know, then you go look at single high where guys are bringing eight, when teams are bringing eight into the box, he threw 24 touchdowns and six picks. They obliterate you when you bring that guy into the box in the passing game. And, you know, play action is a great part of that. Tannehill's speed is a great part of that. Defensive lines not being able to rush the passer because they're scared of Henry is a big part of that. And it's like a really well-constructed, basic, in some ways, offense. And then once they get into the red zone, Arthur Smith is just a fucking madman and starts <laughs> running pop passes and end arounds and like running back passes. passes. Exactly. And so it's, it's a really, you know, basic, well-executed offense with a really accurate quarterback, a really dangerous running back and guys that can separate. And then they get into the red zone and start, you know, hitting you with stuff you haven't seen on tape all year. So their offense is lethal and you can't just beat them. You know, if you put eight in the box, Henry still runs on you. So why not just sit a guy back and try to take away Davis and Brown? 2000 yards for Henry. I never thought we were going to see that again. Eric, are there any games where like he, it felt like he got either. I, I would assume he never got completely stopped, but is there any game? I mean, we touched on it already with the Ravens kind of doing it. Is there any game where you remember like thinking like, man, they're really slowing him down here. And like, what do you remember specifically if that happened? Cause I'm not sure it did. I mean, if anything, it was like the Browns game where obviously the Browns get out to, I think it was a 17, no 24, seven type lead. And, and I was talking to Banks about this last night or the other day. And it's like people, I, I, anytime people watch the Titans game, if they're down, people always kind of clown on the Ravens. And we saw it in the, the game, you know, in November where they're like, you're down 10. Why, why the, it's third quarter. Why the hell are you running the ball? You can't, you know, you got it. And it's like the Titans are very good at sticking to what they do best. And that, that's as we made the whole point as to it's what Greg Roman didn't do in, in the playoff game where again, they panic. The Titans don't panic. And they seem to always, Derrick Henry is going to get his carries. And it, the Cleveland game was, was the one game where, again, it seemed like they just physically took the ball out of their, out of Derrick Henry's hands because again, they were down 17, they were down 24. So, and I'm looking right now, he ended up with, what was it? Uh, 50, yeah, 15 carries for 60 yards. He had that game. He had, you know, the Buffalo game early on in the season, which I can't even really remember. He, Titans were up so big that game. He only had 19 for 57. Um, and then I don't know how he didn't run from more against the Jaguars in week two, but, and, and same thing, the, um, when he had, he had 20 carries for 75 yards against the Steelers in that, I think it was week eight, that, that big undefeated matchup when they had it. Um, and that was the same thing. They kept the ball out of his hands because the Steelers got up huge in that game and the Titans did end up chipping back. But, um, I mean, no one has really been able to stop him. That's the thing. If you want to hold him to. I mean, if you're 15 carries for 60 yards, stuff like that, that's absolutely shutting him down. But that's the formula is to get two, two or three scores out ahead of these guys where that's when Arthur Smith is like, okay, now we can't rush the ball on first down. And I think I read, I think Derrick Henry had 1,300 yards rushing just on first downs, which would have been, it's, I think it was more than everyone but Dalvin Cook in the NFL. So it's like, you know what they're going to do. Like they're going to run the ball on first down. And maybe that's something that that Arthur Smith does change because now everyone's aware of it and they've seen tape. And again, Wink Martindale's a damn good, he's a hell of a defensive coach. And and he, I don't, I'm not sure if he's back next year. I, I know he's high on a lot of uh, head head coaching lists. But I mean, t- again, if they if the Ravens get out to a 17-0, 20 to three, that's when I think you'll see them start going away from giving him the ball. And that's that's the best that's the the best way to shut down Derrick Henry. 
is again a three score lead and Lamar Jackson has the ball and you just you're draining that clock because then that's when you get into the traditional like okay now we got to go now we have to just run you know bomb it to Brown and, and Davis and see what we can get and that kind of ha- that kind of happened though in their first matchup the Titans were down 11 uh, Henry had I think 11 carries for 31 yards in the first half and Ravens were using two safeties high and then you know I think I believe Lamar threw a pick and it was either mm-hmm. 21 to 13 or 21 to 10. And the Ravens kept putting eight in the box. And for me, it's like, I would kind of rather have Derek, like have seven guys in the box, let Derek Henry run a little bit. That, that's wasting time. In the second half, uh, Davis and Brown had nine gains of 10 yards. Henry had three. And, you know, they'll throw their way back into it. If you kind of like respect the run, they'll still bleed you out. They're just so balanced in that way. Titans run 65% of first downs, highest rate in the NFL, like you mentioned. And for me, at the end of the day, it's just like, all right, Baltimore, you basically went out and, and we mentioned Titans didn't have Saffold. They didn't have Luan, obviously. Luan's not coming back. Saffold's maybe able to do a heroic performance. He's an absolute fucking brute force. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Ravens didn't have Brandon Williams. They didn't have Calais Campbell. And they're just so damn scared of Derrick Henry beating you. You let Corey Davis and A.J. Brown beat you either way. So... You've already done that, played that game, trying to keep Derrick Henry from beating you. He still beat you, and you let the receivers beat you. Now you get Clay's Campbell back. Brandon Williams is back. In the offseason, the Ravens invested in, you know, all these guys. Brandon Williams, Clay, or excuse me, Derek Wolf, Clay's Campbell. They draft Justin Madaboyke. They draft Patrick Queen. They re-sign LJ Ford. They bring Judon back. They draft Malik Harrison. All these front seven guys. It's like, well, for the Ravens, you know, it's time to put that to the test. Like, can you just trust your front seven to do what you need them to do? Because I understand when you got Broderick Washington, Justin Ellis, two backup level guys up there, you know, you don't trust them, but they kind of held their own a little bit. You know, 4.8 yards of carry is, is good, but it, it, it's not obliterating you like Henry did in the playoffs last year. And for me, it's just like, don't let A.J. Brown and Corey Davis beat you. Like, trust what you did in the offseason. Buy into that. Give Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters got fucking burned. He got torched. And, you know, people say he had an ankle injury, but... Corey Davis just is such a smooth and sudden separator at the same time. They start hitting you with those in-breaking routes, and you have to play outside leverage. you got no help over top, and then suddenly Corey Davis snaps back outside when you're jumping inside. Boom, 50-yard gain for Corey Davis in that game. Flips the field, gets Titans right back in the game, and there you go. I mean, pick, it's it's just pick your poison. At this point, you've already drank the, the, the King's poison twice, so why don't we go the other way? Yeah, the uh... – <laughs> AJ Brown was my guy, like in that draft, and like I, I was perfectly fine. He's admittedly, just that guy. he, He's yeah, that guy. He's that mm-hmm. dude. yeah, he, like, but that was the one dude that, like, even some people were gaga over DK Metcalf, and they obviously wound up taking a Brown uh, that year, which you know, I, I like the pick at the time. I'm still not totally down on Hollywood Brown, but I wanted AJ Brown big time, and I think uh, what he was doing at Ole Miss is translating even weirdly like better to the NFL because I think he probably has better quarterback play, but. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Today's Thursday. Or no, he was limited on Wednesday. He didn't practice today, Thursday. As a Titans fan, what is the panic level if A.J. Brown cannot go in this game? If he can go, then, then I, I mean, I don't think, I think my panic's already over. Like, if, if Friday, or if, if they, like, rule him out early, then it's like, okay, well, hey, hell of a season. You know, hopefully he can get healthy for next season. Because I, I don't think they can beat him with just Corey, with just Corey Davis. Um, or beat the Ravens with just Corey Davis. Um you know, they don't have Adam Humphreys. Uh, he's been out. He, they, put him on. they don't have anybody else who can be that quick dude underneath. He's the only type of receiver in that toolbox. Mm-hmm. Khalif Raymond is a 
burner. He is yeah, like a, a separator underneath. He's, I mean, he's exactly what we saw from him in the playoff game last year. The the nine route right down the seat, you know, right down the field and drop it right into the breadbasket. And that, I mean, he, Khalif Raymond may have had, I, I would be shocked if he had over 12 catches this year. Like right. we can, I'll look that up later, but I mean, yeah, he's not, he's, he's nothing special. Um, they just, I think they used him perfectly in that game last year. Um, but yeah, if, if, if AJ Brown can't go, then I'll be, I, I will definitely, I mean, I'll, I'll put my feet up and I'll say, all right, well, let's, let's see how bad this gets just because I don't think the offense will, will be able to, to hang with the Ravens then. Ryan Tannehill. So how badly do you want to keep Corey Davis in that case? I mean, I'm, he's going to get paid. Like he's going to, someone is going to give him a bag. Dolphins. Like I, people are saying Dolphins. the Ravens. I mean, Dolphins. yeah, but like he would be perfect for the Ravens. That yeah. kind of, I mean, again, that, that type of receiver. Um, he's a brick shit house. We had an, uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We, so we, the Ravens picked 17th that year, I think. And we had a, one of our guys, Matt Cohen, who used to write for us. He's at Indiana now. I do I think doing some stuff for their media, but he was so all over Corey Davis to the Ravens that year. The draft starts. He's like, all right, counting down until the, he falls to 17 and the Ravens take him. And then literally five picks and he's just off the board. <laughs> and we were like, oh, I, God. And I mean, like he was never, this was his first year where he just kind of, it's, it's like, it what together, do they always yeah. say that the receivers in like the year three is when they explode. I guess it, it took him a little longer, but he, I mean, he's played and he's had such a, a terrible year off the field too, with his brother dying of cancer a couple of weeks ago. And, I know he had a rough game versus Houston last week, and then it came out after the game that it was his brother's birthday. And so, I, I mean, he's had a lot of emotions, you know, the last couple months. And But he's, I mean, I'm happy for the guy. I, I, I want them to, someone's going to overpay for him. That's, you know, I, a team like the Cardinals is going to make him, is, is going to give him a lot of money or just one of those random teams. So I, I'm, Whoever's, whoever is, has a shitty franchise and a lot of money. It's yeah, that, that Miami like, dolphins, like, that, that candy ass Miami dolphins logo. It always makes me think after they overpaid for like Mike Wallace and all those guys, I always think Chris like Chambers the big name and those guys, yeah, yeah. all the big name, like wide receivers are going to go yeah, there or it'll, it'll be a team. It'll be like Jacksonville who, cause they have, you know, a hundred million dollars in cap space. They'll give them like 80, they'll give them like a hundred million dollars or 85 million, you know, 85 million or something like that. I, I would love to keep him, but I, I don't think I, it's just not how the Titans operate. Um, I, I wish it now that obviously they would have picked up his fifth year option. That would have been nice, but uh, I think they, at the, at the time it was the right choice. Yeah, I think so too. But last question on the offense here, like Ryan Tannehill, I think is one of the most interesting like figures in the NFL right now. People kind of really don't talk about how crazy the story is that like, he's basically like, you know, dwindling away down in Miami and South beach in the sun for, however many years going eight and eight and borderline Rosen situation. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. he, but he played like decently well, but like not well enough to like warrant the contract that they gave him. And then, you know, he kind of, he had some stuff come out about how maybe he was like a little bit of a selfish guy. And I, you know, I don't know like the veracity of all that stuff and I don't want to totally comment on it, but then, you know, it winds up kind of getting humbled a little bit, sent up to Tennessee to be Mariota's backup. And then kind of doesn't really work like that. He, you know, gets thrust into the lineup. He plays really well, like really well. People I don't think, again, are talking about how well he's playing. And for me, as an opposing fan and somebody that admittedly roots against the Titans here and there, I'm, I fear Ryan Tannehill in clutch situations. As a fan of him and his team, how do you feel about him in clutch situations? I mean, I love him. He, he's, there has been very few times where, He's he's been in like you know a goal to go or 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 a, just a big game situation and he's just absolutely you know shit the bed 
He's again that we're seeing the veteran in him, and and again all this stuff that he learned from his situation in Miami. Because like like you were saying, he was, I mean, he was a borderline like this guy may not get another job. He this guy is he can't get. He would have three good games, and then he'd have four bad games, and, and then and, he's hurt for a year, and then he's hurt, and he tears his ACL, and he and he always had kind of had those weird injuries. And like you said, when you're Marcus Mariota's backup, there's like a seventy percent chance you're going to start like six games that year. Because again, you talk about guys who get hurt, and I loved Mariota. I loved watching him play in that one Raiders game this year. But I mean, he, you know, they probably signed him thinking like, "Hey, man, there's a chance that you get extended looks this year." Because, I mean, there was the one year that Mariota, in the opening game against uh, the Dolphins, got like undercut, comes down, hits his elbow on the turf or like a helmet or something, and the, the whole year was like, "Yeah, I just don't have feeling in my hands." It's like, "Oh, awesome." That's great for, especially for a quarterback. It was that so last Dem- one of the last really good Flacco games was in 2018 when they went to Nashville and played them, and Mariota oh, could not throw a football. Twenty-one nothing. Yeah, he got sacked like 14 times, Oops, like, 11 times or yeah, something. That was yeah, crazy. That was because was, yeah, he was wearing that glove where it only had the material on the the pinky and the ring finger, and then I was like, what are we doing here? Like, and that's you know, Blaine Gabbert was the backup, and and Castle and guys like that. So I think I mean them going out and getting. You know, Tannehill, that was one of the best, you know, moves by John Robinson ever. I mean, that's just a great move. And, and again, it worked out. He did a nice piece in, um, I think, the Players Tribune talking about, you know, when I signed here, I, I didn't know what I was gonna, what my career was going to be. And, and, you know, I didn't know how long it was going to be here. And, and obviously now, I mean, he's, I, I mean, just watching him throw the ball, like you said, with that, he's, he's just, he has that veteran like mentality about him, obviously. And, He's just, I, like, I feel confident every time he throws the ball. Like, the, 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 the play to A.J. Brown, the last, what, 15 seconds of the Texans game, I was like, this is, like, going into it, I, like, I, I see it in there. I'm like, this is a completion. This is 100% a completion. And it was almost like the Joe Flacco where you could tell midway through, like, oh, Torrey's going to catch this. Like, that's just, I, he's just, I mean, he's instilled that confidence in me, and, and I love watching him. And, again, I mean, he's such a weapon. And and I remember people laughed when in the offseason when they signed him and, Her- and Henry to these deals, being like, oh, they gave, you know, Tannehill all this money to hand the ball off. And it's like... You know, an affordable like, contract, too, by the way. Like, not... It's not terrible. Yeah. Like, there are, there are the worst yeah. contracts out there. Like, not but, even close to top of the market. No, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know. I, I've loved watching him this year, and he's played so well. And that's, you know, when all the stats were coming out and his last 16 games started because they think he took over week six last year. Like he was neck and neck with Mahomes for yards and rating and touchdowns and all that stuff. So, I mean, I've been insanely impressed by him. I didn't expect anything when they signed him. I kind of thought, oh, same guy we've seen in Miami. Yep, like hot wife, you know, used to be wide receiver. I know that. And 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 he's not very good. And he, I mean, he has shut everybody up. So I, I love him. I think he throws a hell of a ball too. And and like like you were saying earlier, Spencer, the windows that he puts balls in and not only gets them in where their catches too. Like, I can't believe I'm expecting half of these AJ Brown, the slants just to bounce off his hands and, and, you know, die or get picked off or something like that. It's, it's insane. The, the percentage that he's completing in those tight windows and AJ Brown catches it and is just gone. So he doesn't they, get hit. He, I mean, he seems to hold the ball a little too long. Like the only knock I have is like, He'll hold the ball to the point where it's like, I don't give a shit if I'm going to get hit. And that mm-hmm. ends up preventing him from being able to throw a soft ball. Yep. But if he gets it off before he is physically affected by pressure, 
on the fucking dot still so many times. Yeah. And it's like kind of shot. I feel like I see drops occasionally, like AJ Brown or something like running across her and he'll drop the ball because he kind of like, holy shit, I didn't expect him to put it exactly where it was supposed to be. Right on. Yeah, right on me. Yeah, he's again the windows that hit that he can squeeze, you know, the football into it. It's it's amazing. So now and now, of course, now this is why I'm like, yeah, now I know why the Dolphins drafted him. Like I could see the potential that they saw in him, and I, I'm I'm really happy for the guy because because like you said, I, I know he, I think he got the the shit end of the stick down in Miami, but it seems like that's what they, people were like, he I know was Big the Cat, offensive mastermind that of, everyone <laughs> thought was an absolute genius, and he must be so terrible if Adam Gaze is not taking him into an All Pro level. Exactly. And I know uh, Big Cat, I was talking on part of my take about he wants like he keeps saying, like, I want Trubisky to have his Tannehill where like maybe he gets out from from Nagy and, and he goes to a place where, where he can. Uh, Sounds like he's well, going he's going right back to Chicago on a big money deal. So we're going to see right. how Big Cat likes that. They literally started doing with Trubisky what Arthur Smith has done with Tannehill. Roll him out, use his mm-hmm. athleticism, put the receiver in front of his fucking eyes. And let him try and be accurate. For me, that's what it is with Tannehill right now. It's every time you get into third and two, fourth and one, and it's every time they just crowd Derrick Henry because, of course, yep. you have to do that. And then he just pulls it out, runs it in for a touchdown, like he did. He also against- trusts, like he understands AJ Brown is a wide receiver one. Like if he gets a remotely favorable matchup, if he's in the slot against the, you know, mid-level nickel or God forbid a linebacker, like I've seen, I've, I watched like four Titans games. Somehow, there's at least one snap a game where someone's like, oh, yeah, we'll stick the fucking linebacker over A.J. Brown in the slot. The ball's out, and as soon as it hits his hands, it's A.J. Brown on a quick out, A.J. Brown on a quick in, a hitch, whatever, and it's 16 yards, him running after the catch. Like, he understands his guys on third down. I'm going to go target A.J. Brown. I'm going to go target those guys. And if, if like, what what's the fucking Ferkser? If Ferkser yeah. has 10 yards off and they're not looking at him then and, and everybody's crowding A.J. Brown, the ball just goes in the right place, long story short. Like, he simplifies things. It feels like he makes it easy. And uh, especially against that single high stuff, he just makes it easy for himself. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed that. Like you said, like, I think the Bears game, I think, was the one game where I think, I think Brown had a long catch down the sideline where he was matched up against, like, Danny Trevathan or something like that. And it's like, yeah, like... Tannehill knew before the snap, like, all right, this ball is this ball is going deep to him because again, if you if you put a linebacker on him, you're absolutely toast, and your defensive coordinator should probably be fired just right there on the spot. Definitely. So, speaking of defense, like switching over to that side of the ball. So, this defense, you've kind of touched on it a little bit already. 29th in DVOA, they're in a, they're in a rough spot. Like, is there a moment that you recall, like? sitting there and being like, okay, something's wrong with this defense. Because I think the presumption was they signed Clowney, they bring a lot of guys back. It feels like they were going to be a strong defense again. What What's kind of the deal here, do you think? And they also, they paid Vic Beasley, who they ended up cutting uh, during the year. I don't think, I, he didn't, I think he may have had a quarterback hit or a hurry, may have, so he earned that $9 million or whatever it was. It's good um, payday. I, I think the moment that, that I, I kind of realized that defense is going to be a problem was... I mean, I, I, do you want me to say Monday, the opening Monday night game against Denver when, when Drew Locke was taking them up and down the field? No. I mean, it's – and again, it was weird because they, they didn't – the big thing this year was like they're going into it without a defensive coordinator. They – Dean Pease came back last year and, and retired, um, and Vrabel kind of just said, you know, we got it. We'll take it from here, and that's – it hasn't worked out because, like you said, they're 29th, and, and they're, they're literally bottom three – in a lot of defensive categories. And 
I, I said on the podcast last night, I said, yeah, they're 29th in DVOA, but it's, um, I think they're still second in the division because I think the two teams below them are the Jags and the Texans. So that's a spin zone that I've been pulling out. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they, they literally, they, you, they cannot get pressure on the quarterback and they, they can't get sacks. And, and, and I know the people have been saying, like, well, no one can sack Lamar Jackson. It's like, well, that's not even a thing. It's like the, they can't get pressure back there. They can't. And I don't know what it is. I mean, it, like, it's hard for me to be like, well, just taking Dean Pease out of the building, like, just just sap them of all that defensive talent that they had last year. And yeah, they lost Jarrell Casey and Wesley Woodyard and a couple other veterans from last year. But it's just, I think they went like seven or eight weeks with in the season and they had one sack the entire stretch. It's just, I mean, they're, they're very, very bad on defense. And the third down defense is like historically bad. I think they're like the first defense since... 1991 or something like that to like allow 50% conversion or more on third down. They're just, I mean, teams feast on third down against this team. And, and it's been that way the entire year. And that, that's my big worry with the Ravens is like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're never afraid to go for it on fourth down. So like, they're just, I have a feel, and I said going into the game, this, you know, when the Titans were still, whether they lost and were going to go to, to, to Buffalo or whether they were going to play the Ravens, I said, whichever quarterback they're getting is going to absolutely just pick this defense apart. Um, I think the run defense is decent, but the pass defense has just been very bad. And I mean, Malcolm Butler, I think, was their leading tackler in the in the season. And it's like, if your cornerback is the top tackler, it's never a good thing. Um, so it's just, it's been, it's been a terrible year for them. If they had any sense of a defense like it then then they would just then then i would feel more confident but the way that they're giving a passing touchdown i think they give up 36 passing touchdowns it's like the tide for the most ever for a team going into the playoffs um so let we'll see if if the ravens will again attack that pass defense knowing that i mean coming off a 400 rushing you know yard game against the uh the Bengals, it'll be interesting to see if they do stick with the run game or if they they try and attack this just putrid you know, pass defense. Right. And it feels like the, it feels like a weakness on weakness because you mentioned Malcolm Butler's leading tackler. The reason you don't want your cornerback being the leading tackler is because they're getting fucking beat and then having to make tackles. And so often Malcolm Butler is getting beat. I think they had a Dory or Dory Jackson missed most of the season. 13, 14 games. It was to a point where I'm I like, why are we doing nine. this? That's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it was, it was a lot. I think, I think the, the Packers game may have been his second game. So I think yeah. who, who they play before the no, was the Colts? No, I forget who it was. But he's legitimately played two or three games this year. Like I remember because I remember them saying I Yeah, think I was writing in I, I was writing in a little preview series I was doing that he was maybe going to be active for the first time this year against the Ravens, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh I guess not I, dude, I thought that guy was gonna be so fucking sick. Like I, I wanted him to be good. He's not he's like Last but like year, throwing him in as like a wide receiver and stuff, they were doing that at USC. Mm-hmm. Like he he was a fun player, I thought. Yeah, he and he's yeah, just been he's just been banged up. So who's like outside of him, like and over, and the poor overall ratings, of course. Who are some other kind of players that you think on this defense that we would need to watch out for? I, I think it's the big guy in the middle, and I know Ravens fans don't like him because of of the the Marshall Yanda stuff last year, and and you know Yanda saying he spit on him, but Jeffrey Simmons is. I said on on our pod last night, I'm getting like Albert Hainsworth vibes from him where he's like, he's there, he's in the middle, he's going to affect the game. He's going to get a tip ball. He's good. And, and he's good for a couple sacks every now and then. Um, but he, I think Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute game wrecker. And he he had the fumble. I think he had the forced fumble last year. 
against Lamar when um, in the playoffs when Lamar stepped up into the pot. He like I think he spun Close. out. He and, and he chopped him. Yep, yep. He like stepped up. Yeah, and he kept like uh, uh, and and Simmons came up and chopped it. Um, he's a hell of a player, and and he's 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 just a monster. So I I think again I think I think he has some Hainsworth in him where he's like he can he can change a game and he's he's almost like a JV version of Calais Campbell because he's not that big. Obviously, Calais doesn't even have to jump to get these you know his hands on these uh, footballs, but but Simmons can. Simmons can change a game pretty quick, and and he has a knack for getting a ball out. So I I, I think he's he's one of the guys, like you said earlier, um, Rashawn Evans is a, just a tackling machine. Like that guy was literally put on this earth to tackle the person who's holding the he football. He would be the number one linebacker in the NFL. Like like he would be a top five linebacker in 1997. Like, oh my god, yeah, he would a like great two down linebacker. He's awesome, and and he's so much fun to watch. And he's he's kind of a knucklehead though. He'll get those those boneheaded. Um, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. He'll get a good taunting. That's their mo, though. They yep. they like that shit. They live mm-hmm. off that shit. And I, I think that's it's Vrabel. It's from Vrabel, and I think you are s to, like the Ravens have been like the whole jumping on the fucking sideline shit mixed with Marshawn complaining about getting spit on is like kind of making the Ravens look s a w f t south because the Titans are coming to Baltimore spitting in their faces. I make no comments or judgments about uh, spitting it at or on player situations. That's not something I concern myself with. So we don't even have to talk about that. But but they just have that MO. They're badasses. They play like it. Like Kenny Vaccaro fucking hits. Like he'll miss some tackles, but he comes mm-hmm. up in the box. He hits like a linebacker. I always it's forget he's well. there. He was sick in New Orleans. Yeah, he was, that's why. I mean, that was another. I love that signing when they when they brought him in. Um, he had that nice pick last year that, that kind of, I don't want to say sealed the deal, but he, but he, he had that, that pick late in the mid third, late third, I think late third, late third. Yeah. yeah, That was the one where, uh, I probably, I'd probably drink like 13 beers out of a bucket in this really crowded bar. I forget where we even went and, uh, just cried into uh, the bucket and, uh, went home and ate ate my weight in Arby's the next day because I was just so hungover and sad. I finished like, I think I almost finished a bottle of pink Whitney. That Ooh. night, I definitely finished a bottle of Pink Whitney during the New England game last those, year. Those things all. The second the New England game was over, I remember falling flat on my couch and just waking up like at four o'clock in the morning, being like, "What the what the hell just happened?" To and me? you got the cold sweats going, but like you're oh, happy. Yeah. You're happy because it was a win. It's a lot different wake up if you it's a loss, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but again, like Vicar Vicar is a he's a hell of a player. Amani Hooker's made some plays. I think he's the one who had the the pick on the deep the game in November when, when Lamar just kind of yeah, chucked it up yeah. there. I think it was sure. him. him um, Renee, yeah. He's played, he's played pretty well. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, again, on, like this is, I'm sure the defense is good on Madden. I don't play the game. I don't know if you guys are, are Madden guys, but I don't play the game because it's trash now, but I'm sure in Madden, it's a damn good defense because they have the names. Like, and they had Clowney. Clowney didn't do anything. They got they, they have names on paper. It looks like it's Landry. Good. Landry is an effective pass rusher. Like he had double digit sacks right. last year. They just can't. It's again, it's just weakness on weakness. They run a ton of zone. I don't understand it fully because they have Kevin Byard, who is a ball hawk, middle safe, like free safety. He can play single high. You can fuck around with that stuff. And Kevin Byard, you know, they they end up playing this soft zone. And it just leaves guys open, quick passes. Like, I went and watched the Bengals game. I, I was just looking at the Titans' oh, schedule God. this week, and I was like, you know, what the hell happens here? The Bengals beat the Titans by 11 points. How does that happen? And it's because the Titans play so soft, and they're so focused on winning between the numbers, between the hashes, 
They just let you pick them apart in the quick passing game over and over and over and over. And then they start to creep up, boom, get hit over their heads. Then mm-hmm. they don't know what the hell's happening. Their zone coverage starts getting fucked up. They're passing the wrong guy off. Malcolm Butler's like squatting on a route and someone just runs right by him, but he doesn't yep. even care. And it's 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 strength on strength. The Titans want to dominate up the spine. They like Rashawn Evans. They like Jeffrey Simmons. They like Kevin Byard. And on the outside, you're kind of, you know, inept. But the Ravens' perimeter passing game is a work in progress. It is not good. It is one of the worst in the NFL. They don't target there. They don't run, you know, comebacks. They're not targeting concepts where Lamar's throwing and driving the ball to the sideline consistently. Uh, you know, I watched Deshaun Watson as well last week, and Watson's scorning them throwing to Brandon Cooks these these stop routes and these double stops and, and stuff because he's driving the ball so hard to the sideline. And Lamar doesn't drive the ball like that. He doesn't have that kind of velocity. Uh, he's a touch passer. And, you know, he let, he obviously prefers to throw over the middle of the field. So it's like strength on strength, weakness on weakness. And I think that's why the Titans match up so well with the Ravens as opposed to a lot of other teams. Obviously, and, and, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I remember watching – that's why Dez had a decent game in November because Malcolm Butler's t- 12 yards off him. So you just throw him the fucking ball. I was waiting for that to happen. And Butler, Butler's done that for years. I don't know if he did in New England, but ever since he's been in Tennessee, he's nine yards off. He's 10 yards off. I don't understand why. And I get, I know it happens all the time. But, I mean, hell, if they got a run play call, just, you get it out to him. And you pitch it. And that's what they started doing with Dez. And he was getting 10, 11, 14 yards. And it's like, okay, now we're moving. And it's like... And then again, when he does creep up, then he go. Then they go deep. But again, I mean, Butler. That's been the most frustrating thing with him. Is I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're 15 yards away from him right now. Like, it's second and seven. Like, get a, you know, do something. But yeah, so that's it, it'll be interesting again because I'm sure Malcolm Butler is going to do the same thing. And and again, I mean, the book's out on the defense. It doesn't take much. But yeah, so obviously, yeah, so two and zero against Lamar. You just touched on Deshaun Watson there, Spenny. What is kind of the, in your experience, watching them take on like mobile quarterbacks, what is kind of the success level that they've had? And like, can you pinpoint why, if at all? I I mean, it's tough because like Watson has always played well against the Titans. And it could be because he's, I mean, he's just one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. And, And I'll go on the record and say this, I would be devastated. It would be a real shame if the Texans were to trade him because of how unhappy he is. I mean, personally, I would hate to see them get rid of their two best offensive players in two back-to-back off-seasons. So well, they, thought, it would be uh, tough if uh, team, they, that team wouldn't be in your division. They get they get relegated. They're out. It would uh, sold. Gates closed. Houston, you fucked it up again. Yep. Nobody nobody team. loves Deshaun more than me. Like unironically, but like watching people on Twitter stopping white knighting for him would be you know that would, <laughs> that would be a little bit of a pep in my step if that were to finally take place but that's you know. another that's the, the other big cat the the protect Deshaun Watson at all costs yeah and, you know it's, like I, I think I noticed that before he even mentioned it then I was like yeah we're simpatico on that because it's a little yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> it's like yeah we, we get it guys yeah we you don't want to see him get killed yeah we know we know yeah I know. um no I don't know I mean I, again maybe maybe it's just that zone that they play and 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 it just lets the quarterbacks run free. I know. I know Lamar had a hell of a running game last year against them in the playoffs. Um, but again, it's like the, the mobile quarterbacks. Like they, I mean, mostly just because we see, I I see them against uh, Watson twice a year. They just they can never seem to kind of he'll he'll get his chunk yard plays. And again, Lamar, I'm sure Lamar will he'll have a, a run over 25, 30, 40 yards. Um, there's just nothing they can do again. I mean, if they clog up the middle. 
with Simmons and, and those guys, then yeah, hope, hopefully that stops them. But again, with no, if they're not back there in the backfield to get him, to, you know, to be able to rush him, then I think Lamar is going to be able to pick him apart. I don't, I don't know what it is. They just, they can't seem to stop these guys and, and the rushing attack. And, and it's, it's just, it's pretty pathetic, I guess. Cause again, you're playing against Deshaun Watson twice a year. So you'd think, and again, Vrabel being in that building, I don't think he was there when Watson was. So maybe that, that may not have anything to do with it, but I don't know. Again, they've just always, it seems to have a problem with stopping Deshaun Watson mainly, but these rushing quarterbacks. Definitely. And this Ravens offense, I mean, yeah, I would assume you've been following the Ravens a little more closely this year for XF 52, kind of closer than you ever have, at least, you know, you've kind of seen the full scope of their season in the same way that we have. And we're a lot more confident in the offense right now than I think we were six weeks ago. So over the past five weeks, what have you kind of, what has sort of been your takeaway from watching this Ravens offense and kind of what is your thought on how you would try to stop it if you were the Titans defense? I know you obviously have some misgivings with it. And Spencer, I want to get your take on that as well, but kind of just like surface level, like what you think the Titans are going to try to do. I mean, I, I, I think they'd be smart to just, hey, you know, Vrabel open up the folder from last year on the, on the computer that game plan from the from the the playoff game and, and let's run that back because it, it seemed to work and Lamar got his 500 yards but again I mean I they they did get lucky with the turnovers and and the the stopping them on fourth down which was still bizarre to me that they had Lamar under center for both of those when they stopped them but um I I mean again I I'm fully if you stop Lamar rushing the ball and you limit I think Gus Edwards had three carries in the game in November. He's obviously hitting his stride now. J.K. Dobbins is one. He's probably, I mean, what's he, a top, top eight running back in the last five or six weeks? He's played really, really well, and that's terrifying. because. And I said, I said the other night, I don't know if we were on the podcast or not, but they're like the Gus and, and J.K. kind of remind me of a smash and dash to Chris Johnson, Lendale White. Like, like Gus Edwards is going to run through you. Like he has zero problem doing that, and he's fast enough to run by you. And then you just have J.K. Dobbins, who is just picking up steam. And it's like, for weeks and weeks and weeks, people were like, we got to get him more carries. we got to get him more carries. Why isn't he more involved? And then the last five or six weeks, it's like, oh, okay, now he has fresh legs. His gas tank is full. And, and he's just, he's an insane running back. It's exactly who they thought they were drafting. Um, but, and then again, you just throw Lamar into that mix and it's just so goddamn terrifying. So I, I think if you... I mean, again, like this goes back to it. Like if you limit them, if you hold them to 150, 170 yards between the three, which is as terrifying as that sounds and how scary that sounds. Um, I think you, I think you'd have a, a decent shot at winning if you're the Titans. And I, I, if, if Lamar beats him with his arm. And again, I feel like that's the book on Lamar. Like I'll let Lamar, I think in the, in the, what was he? 31 for 54 in the playoff game or something like that. Like I, I'd give Lamar 54 passing attempts every time. I, I think that's well, we, what we saw in the Bengals game last week. What was he like 13 for 18 or something like that? Like those are the games that he wins. Those are the, you, you're not, you, you don't want your quarterback throwing 55. You'd rather, you'd rather have Steph Curry drive to the lane and lay the ball up and shoot a three, like take yep. away what he does best. Yeah. Exactly. So if they, if they do that, uh, if, if they come out on Sunday and Lamar has 12 rushes for 65 yards, JK has 15 rushes for 70 yards and Gus has 12 carries for 50 yards. Like I'd be like, okay. And, and, and if they, if they limit him there and Lamar has 300 yards passing, it's like, well, tip your cap. Um, they ate this defense alive and, and you know, I can live with that. Um, 
But if they're running, if they're running wild on them, like like at Cincinnati again, that's going to be hard to swallow. But yeah, I think their game plan you you got to stop the run. And as cliche as that sounds, like oh, stop the run, and you know, you know, get to keep the ball out of their hand. That's another thing. If they can just keep yeah, the ball, yeah, you're their hand, you're getting into dad territory with this, which I like. Yeah, you got to run the ball and stop the run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you can do that, I mean, if Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has over 25 or 30 carries. If he's hovering around 30, then I think that's that's a, that plays that's almost like a defensive you know stop for you because it just it keeps the ball out of their hands. Right, and of course that kind of coincides. Like you want the Titans to score early. They have done that the past two matchups. Titans scored a opening drive touchdown. They get the monster pi on Marlon Humphrey like 39 yards immediately. Uh, then they just kind of dink and dunk their way down the field a little bit. They're able to manufacture a touchdown in the red zone. And, you know, the Ravens end up taking a lead in that game, ultimately going up by 11 at one point, but that's what you want to do. And in the playoff game, they're able to, you know, get a stop just because it turned out that way. Uh, they, or excuse me, they get a pick off a tip pass. They're opportunistic, mm-hmm. return it. Lamar adds 15 onto it. Uh, you punch the ball in, then you get another stop. Then you hit Khalif Raymond 50 yards on the field. Suddenly the Ravens are fucking panicking. And they are pressured, and uh, everybody, like a lot of people want to be like, "Oh, the Ravens got away from running the ball in that game," but there just wasn't a th- like you, they could have ran the ball like five more times. Like they were getting stuffed when they ran the ball on first down. It was second and nine. Like, all right, you want to run the ball again? What if you're stuffed again? Then your passing game shape. Third, yeah. Then we're third and seven, and and we're you looking dropped at five passes in the game. Uh, you can't convert on two fourth downs. You didn't kick field goals, and you know you love to go for it on fourth down, but everybody like all the Baltimore. Freaking everybody in Dundalk is like, oh, stop going for it on fourth down. This is the fucking playoffs, man. Like, like it's different. You're so, you're little like stop wearing a mask like in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> stop going to them damn stuff. analytics, dude. Got to get Joe Flacco back off the bench there, or something. Throw them computers out on. Fucking blacked out. Like they fucking hated it. Take your and bullshit down the road. A couple more times, but at the same time, it's like you know they tried to quarterback sneak on fourth and one at like the fifty and couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Lamar's running around like a fucking caged fox. For some that reason. was so weird when he cut to the right and then like immediately came back to the left. After he cut, it was there. And he's yeah. Yeah, that was that was just it was, to me that was emblematic of the whole game. Him being indecisive on that play because that whole game for he me was the them he being the indecisive, feeling the pressure, and just not hitting the hole. Like that's all you had to do. But. I'll randomly think about that play maybe once a week. Just like. Like I see him, I see him jet to the right every time, and I'm like, oh, oh he's gonna go, and then like he just cuts back, and yeah, it's I just so I re- always replay. Like, in a way, if you're not a Ravens fan, it just looked fun, kind of, because he mm-hmm. was moving so quickly but gaining no ground. It was yeah. just, like so strange, but they pressed, and um, Mike Mike Vrabel pretty much said it. He was like, we can't defend this type of r- ground game if they have an advanced passing attack. Basically, saying they didn't have an advanced passing attack. They were willing to try and shut down the middle of the field. They were willing to come downhill, fill the A gaps, all that kind of stuff. And like you mentioned, Eric, the you know they start throwing the smokes, the alerts to Des Bryant, and that's what you have to do to beat the Titans. Uh, and the thing that sticks out to me is like RPOs, RPO passes. The Titans can't defend. Their linebackers are like mm-hmm. four year olds. When you play the like the Chiefs or the Bengals or uh, who was the other one I watched? Shit, the Texans. They yep. run these quick RPOs. The linebackers are like, "What's happening?" It's it's like they've never seen it. It's like it's like if you took a football player from the 1940s and put him in football now, they'd be. It's like the it's a semi pro. The like when they throw the alley oop and he's like, "Ah, foul, yeah, two fouls." I don't know what happened. He's flying through the air. Yeah, it's literally what it is. Like they 
it's like they've never seen it and they don't know how to react. And again, it's, like it's, it's Watson go, did it the entire the second half. The perimeter, they, the corners just don't have any clue what's happening. The linebackers just like sit still, like I hope nobody sees me. <laughs> like they don't do anything. And that's what I do on this podcast. I just try to hide and like let you guys go. Nobody sees me. Freeze, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, the Ravens have started to attack outside more. They're feeling more comfortable. Lamar fucking shits his pants, gets COVID. Now he's all loosey goosey. Like, well, that was actually in reverse order there. He got COVID, then came back, then shit his pants, then threw a touchdown pass. And now he's all loosey goosey. (laughs) And uh, it's, it's attacking downfield, like shit like you, you know, you see in the, uh, Bengals game this past weekend. The the Titans are going to take Mark Andrews away over the middle of the field. They're going to fucking triple him. They're going to have a linebacker underneath. A safety's going to jump him, and someone else is going to have their eyes on him. So, are you going to try to force feed the ball to Mark Andrews because they're going to take him away, or are you going to trust Miles Boykin to go run one on one and beat somebody and throw forty three yard touchdown? Like you want to take Mark Andrews away, like you say, Eric, just do what you did last year and make the Ravens prove that they have advanced and. Have they? We, you know, you think so, but you play the Browns defense without a couple guys, like their secondary fucking sucks. You play these crappy teams. The Giants defense is all right, but they're not, you know, an elite unit and they're not a playoff caliber football team. They won six games this year. (laughs) So you feel confident right now, but can you go execute against a a playoff caliber team? And that's the question. So I guess we can distill it down to this RDT for you specifically. Last question before we get into predictions and then listener questions. Lamar, all of the big game and playoff boogeymen that he deals with, you've been pretty deferential, you know, on Twitter and on your pod and everything. What is kind of your level of fear facing off against him in a spot like this? I'm terrified. Like, I mean, I, I've like, I, I thought Lamar was going to go off and cause they were coming off some rough, they, they're the Ravens were right in the middle of that. Or like, I guess it was kind of the start. It was of the that. beginning of it. Yeah. They got the COVID in that game, I think. And it was, and it was like, um, but it was that that was the whole Banks hate month where it was where was the Colts <laughs> that went really Patriots, well Patriots Steelers, um, Steelers Steelers Titans Steelers right yeah yeah so it's like I mean they were I I was like man like just law of averages Lamar is due for a, a bounce back game he's gonna play really well um I mean he's he's terrifying to have to game plan for and just to watch him like back there in the pocket especially it looks like he's just coded in like in like grease before the game because you can't you you never get a clean tackle on him um i mean it's absolutely terrifying are you alleging something pocket huh are you are you alleging something no it's just like he's so slippery like you can't (laughs) oh yeah i'm messing with you maybe yeah yeah, maybe he does like it's the it brings me back to the uh the matthew matthew mcconaughey when they did the football life for texas rose bowl in 2006 and he was like yeah i had uh, one of my usc buddies was like I heard Vince put some grease on his legs before the game, and I was like, "You had to touch him to tackle him." <laughs> like, I, I always think of that, like whatever that kind of stuff comes up. So. Now we're on to something. I, I think we can figure some of that stuff out. But I mean, I, my level—I like, especially after hearing his comments. What was it, Wednesday or Tuesday? At his press conference. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like he's—he's going to go off. Like, and I love him. Like I like—I legitimately like Lamar Jackson a lot. And and it's just like he's just. He's like the off the field. He's like the picture perfect athlete. It's like exactly what you would want, and he says all the right things, and and he does all the right things. He always takes and, responsibility. He always oh, absolutely. Says, it's my fault. I have to be better. I have to work harder. Always. He, I'm just. I I feel like he's a ticking time bomb because like again he's he's 
certainly now he's fed up. Because like last year, there was the like, it wasn't, it wasn't Lamar hasn't won a playoff game. It was Lamar didn't win that playoff game, like against the, the Chargers. And it's like, yeah, well, it was what, his 10th start or whatever. Like, yeah, with like an offense that was not that was poorly assembled for Joe fucking Flacco to begin with. So like that, that's yeah, kind of the, what do you mean? Michael Crabtree is playing at a, a hall of fame level. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's and he was also thing. what, didn't he, he had like just turned 19 or something. Like I think he had just had his like 16th birthday party. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he like he obviously still young. Uh, happy birthday, Lamar today. I think by the way, the big two, four. Yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he's terrifying. I, I feel like he's going to absolutely blow up and, and it's going to have a nice, decent coming out party, I think. And, and, I mean, I don't, it's not even like the monkey is off his back because it's insane that we're talking about, like, God can't win a playoff game. It's like, yeah, he's tw- tw- two games. Like, it's two games. Like, the ch- chill out. Um, Josh Allen is 0-1 in the playoffs, was throwing balls over his head last time. <laughs> it, piss, going, it totally pisses me to, to a fullback, like a bomb to a fullback. It totally pisses me off, but it's also just like what happens, you know? And especially a guy like him who's going to be polarizing for a lot of different reasons. It's like it's mm-hmm. going to happen, so you kind of just want to see him do it. But I guess in respect to that, let's jump into prediction time. Eric, I guess we'll start with you, buddy. I think I already heard your prediction from this day. I don't know if you're sticking with that or like what you want to do here, but uh, what is your prediction for Sunday's game? No, I mean, I, I make my prediction. I stick to it. I, I think it's, if both teams play their best game, I think it's, it's 38, 28 Ravens. I, I think, I think it's a nice, comfortable, you know, I feel like Ravens will get out early. I feel like they may let the gas off their, their foot off the gas pedal and, and Titans, not crawl back, but but get it within striking distance, and I I think it's I think it's a ten point ten point Ravens win. Jake, you always go before me. I do, yeah. Right? Okay, I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's time. It, you know, it's time. Titans defense is playing poorly. I think the offense is going to hang in it. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a hard fought slugfest of a game. You know, Ollie Foreman type deal. Uh, I'm going to go Ravens. Feeling. Weird score, big weird score guy. I'm gonna go Ravens 25, Titans 23. Tucker time. Tucker oh, yeah, time. Tucker time. I'm gonna. I've, I've been doing the. Every week is supposed to be Justin Tucker's moment, then I finally hit it with the Browns game, and I'm just rolling. So I'm gonna go with a little, little Justin Tucker situation, and we are gonna talk about uh, some game winning field goals in games past uh, with one of these listener questions. So let's in spirit of that, let's do, let's go with that. <laughs> The Ravens, you know, you, Clay's Campbell and Brandon Williams are even talking about it this week. They're like, well, we, you didn't have us last time. And it's like, all right, well, you had Marlon Humphrey, you had Marcus Peters, you had Chuck Clark, you had Patrick Queen. The four of those motherfuckers couldn't tackle A.J. Brown. And they're at the point now where I mentioned this stuff where, you know, when they played too high, it worked. Tannehill's 4 of 8, 39 yards against too high. Henry did never run a 10 yards against too high. Too high worked against them, and you're getting these guys back, so you don't need that safety in the box. The definition of insanity, blah, 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 blah. Everybody knows that, Albert Einstein. You are a fucking moron if you do that again. I think that they finally are able to relatively stop the Titans off from consecutively scoring touchdowns at some point in this game on back-to-back drives. Uh, Ravens offense knows that they have to fucking throw the ball a little bit. I'm going to go... I'm nervous about it still because the Titans offense truly is so good, even if you do everything. But I'll, I'm going to go. I picked it in the preseason. I had the Ravens as a three seed and the Titans as a six seed. I picked a win. So I'm going to go Ravens 20, um, 26, Titans 18. Weird okay. scores. We like yeah, I was going to say some, some odd scores there. 
We like we we, like we love the weird scores. Them. We we almost never hit on them, but yeah, we we do well, like. Then you guys thirty one seventeen, you know, sixteen to thirteen, like, and then it was never. It was always like oh, 25, 22 and a half. So it's always like, like the Seahawks always get in those games where it's like they get like two field goals. They have like eight, and you're like, oh, they scored touchdown, two point conversions. Like no, they had two field goals and a safety. It's weird. Yeah. Like <laughs> they always get in those weird games. I did sniff out that uh, that Browns game that that was going to be a shootout though. That was that was a good one, but. Uh, yeah, so there we go for our game preview and our predictions. We do have some listener questions if you guys are ready to jump in. Let's do it. First one coming from our boy Stuart Shock across the pond. Uh, this is an interesting one. I feel like we can all kind of bring a unique perspective here. So how would you rank the four previous Titans versus Ravens playoff games in terms of quality of play and your own overall enjoyment of it? So I'll start with this one. 08 is the first one that I really remember, CJ2K and uh, Flacco's rookie year. So I'm going to go with that one because that's a win game-winning field goal Matt Stover at the end. I can't, I'm not going to rank any of the other losses, but those are like, I remember 19 obviously the most. So I'm going to go two with uh, obviously 2000 rewatching the America's game documentary. You get a ton of stuff on that. I did that recently. So that's awesome. That's going to be number two. Number three, we rewatched the 2003 game for the podcast in like peak COVID when we were looking for stuff to do for an episode. That was a mm-hmm. fun game. Like, it, it, that was a really fun game. It was cool. To, it was a cool rewatch. So that's going to be number three for me. And then obviously, 2019, the absolute uh, lowest point of my existence in the year 2020. Well, that's probably not true. 2020 was tough, but <laughs> they, you know, just a very tough scene. And number four for your boy. Uh, um, it's going to be too much pain. You just go ahead, Eric. You go ahead. You rank uh, out all these dubs. You're gonna have the same list I as mean, me, I know. So it my my number one has to be last year. Like it was I went into that game much like this year, being like, Well, Titans had a good year. You know, they probably, you know, if they win another game or two, they probably could have avoided these guys. Oh well, you know, they're they're a wagon. And just the way I mean, I again I literally thought the Ravens were gonna were gonna win that game until there were zeros on the clock. I was like, if, if there's a way that Lamar can come back, it's going to be, he's going to come back in this game. And it just never did. But I mean, obviously, as people have known, I've been, I have been known to post the, the Derrick Henry, Earl Thomas gif a time or two. From time to time. Um, yeah. Maybe I edited it with my face on Derrick Henry and my friend Tyler's face on Earl Thomas. That's, I can't confirm or deny Almost that. Like you guys were, were brothers that were yeah. in the same bed together. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it, what's the story there? By the way, did have, do you guys have the athletic? Did you read the Earl? I Thomas have it. Piece? I haven't read it yet. I read it today. It's, it's actually it's it's really interesting. It's it's I would definitely check it out um, if you're a Ravens fan or if you just don't like Earl Thomas. Um, we're both. You know, we're both. Yeah. Um, so that that's got to be my number one. And again, I think number two just has to be the uh, the O three game because I mean I. <laughs> Gary Anderson and that single, that, that single fucking bar helmet, dude. That, oh my god, was, oh. he looked like the, one of the uh, what is it, um, lollipop kids from the Wizard of Oz. Like <laughs> I'll never forget because, like, I think it was a forty-three yard field goal. Like I remember Justin McCarron's had a big game. Um, that was that was the game that Eddie George kind of got Ray Lewis back with the stiff arm on the on the sideline, which that fired everyone up. Like I remember I printed out a picture of that. I put it on my binder. And that Eddie faked an injury on his arm or something like that after he no, did it. No, he dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, you know? for he, sure. Yeah. You know, it's the war. That was the, that was the, the absolute revenge for Eddie George. That was like the galvanizing moment of his career. You have well, to go back. If you haven't done it recently, you have to go back and watch that game. It is so, the commentators was, are so funny. Like it's the best. Mike Patrick and who yeah. else was it? Um, 
Um, I forget. Mike Patrick was good though. Like it was, I think it was a Saturday. Th- Theisman was Theisman was on there, and he yeah. lights into Orlando Brown Senior. He calls him like stupid, like on air, like shit that you could not do today. Like it was jarring to watch. It was so funny. He's like drinking Crown Royal, just talking <laughs> shit. This yeah, is the stupid. You can hear the ice like clinking in his glass. Yeah, clink, clink. it was sick. Um, was a burp out. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, that game coming down to the wire. Like I remember, he did he have the touchdown late in the fourth to tie for the Ravens. Yeah, he, yes. yeah, Anthony yeah. Wright just chucked one up and he went yeah, out. Anthony he, Wright, like deep, deep right end zone. I, I just remember being crushed. And then again, Gary Anderson like waddling out for the game. Like, well, no, because goal. McAllister picked a, a pass off right after that. Like they just chucked one up and McAllister yes. jumped up late yeah, in the yeah, fourth. McNair, yep. and, and it's like they're going to win. And I didn't, I was rewatching it, not even remembering the results. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, and we, I, we were going in to do the pod and everything. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun to talk about. Then Gary Anderson, it's like, oh, yeah, now I remember this. It was like a 43 yard field goal. I think it like, if it was like 43 and, and like two thirds, he wouldn't have made it. Like he barely snuck that thing over. And again, he did the little like run and like fist pump jumping in the air. Yeah, that was always just classic. Um, n- uh, number three, it's hard because like 2000, I was, that's like right when I started watching football. That was the year that I got into the Titans. And like I, I, I told the story on the podcast all the time. Like I remember. I mean, I was I was 11 years old at the time, so it's not like I could be like. My parents were like, "Hey, we're gonna go run errands," and I couldn't be like, "I'm staying home to watch the Titans game." My dad would be like, "You're fucking 11. Shut up. <laughs> like, get in the car." And I remember watching the blocked field goal at a Best Buy, and they had a wall of 15 like 80 inch TVs, and all I could see is it over and over and over and over. And I was like, "This is like hell. This is terrible." That's like, literally a living nightmare. It's yeah, just the weird like, little the weird little things you grasp onto that like you remember from these things. Like that's kind of yeah. just I remember you told this story last time too. Like that's just kind of a funny thing to like kind of latch onto. Like in a Best Absolutely. Buy, just surrounded in misery by like you know. Yeah, it was it was god awful. And so that's that's probably three. And then four is probably is the the what is it, the 07 game. Um first night I ever blacked out. I don't know if I said that on the podcast last time. That was after that game. Um number one, because and I like Ed Reed a lot, and, and I, I loved him as a player. I thought the hit on Chris Johnson was filthy dirty. He had the banged-up ankle, and they got him low, and he was down, and, and Ed Reed came and just tried to fold him back. Like, he tried to make Chris Johnson's helmet touch his butthole and, like, just absolutely wrecked him. And so he was out for that game, or for the rest of it. Todd Heap catching that pass when late in the fourth when the play clock was on double zeros for like a second and a half. I'll never forget that. And and then yeah, they they trotted out Stover. First night I ever blacked out. So uh, I think that was a pretty good, pretty pretty good way to celebrate that game. So which game was the Will Will Demps interception? That was 03. That was 03? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pick six. Yeah. That, uh, that was a traumatizing game. I remember watching that at abatements with all my like <laughs> my older brother and all his friends. I think I was like 10 years old and they're all like hammered like they fucking got it like will Demps, fuck yeah that was that was the anderson game yeah. bateman's yep. game day atmosphere man there's there's nothing dude there. i i watched um i watched the the tim the tebow game at a bait at the bateman's in towson yeah we got one the, right around the, the corner in reicherstown i don't think it's still there though who knows uh next one calvin I don't know how specific we have to get on this one, but he says rank the top five most annoying team fan bases on Twitter leading up to a Ravens matchup against them. Titans are on I'll, my I'll list. Immediately go. It goes number one, Chiefs, number two, Browns, number three, Steelers, number four, Patriots, 
And number five, yours truly, the Tennessee. I knew, I knew you were going to have an answer right away because you like to get in the mud a little bit with some of these. Are people. the Titans that bad on? Some of the, the so some of them. So like some of the ones I've seen, and like I'm not like necessarily above the fray on this stuff, but it just annoys me, and I like I it gets my blood pressure going, so I try to stay out of it. But like there were people going back and forth on like the team's criminal record and stuff this week, and I'm oh, just like that, I can't yeah, I mean, do this shit. Fruit for everyone. Yeah, like, I mean like any fan base can do that, so I'm just like yeah, I don't care. For me, I hate Chiefs. I fucking hate Chiefs fans that just crawled out of the woodwork. Got, I don't know. Lot, like they're not the little shitheads anymore because they won a Super Bowl and it's been a little. Yeah, bad. yeah, it's a, they're a they're little not, better. They're not like aggressively cunty about it anymore. So they're they're kind of simmering back down. And the Browns after the Ravens swept them really shut the fuck up. I was gonna say I think Brown like me on the outside looking in I would have said Browns number one. Browns like, yeah Browns because it's like. God, you guys dude. are like locusts. You come out of hiding every 17 years. Like, the tickets trash. To games were a dollar two years ago. Like, shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I saw you come back with that. I, I thought that was a good one. Um, yeah, brownies are bad. Steelers are smug, but like Ravens fans are too a little bit. So it's kind of like similar. Like Steelers and Ravens they, they, fans are. They do that. They do that. Get that mean to be like, fuck you, Browns. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. Ravens, like Ravens and the Steelers <laughs> have Big Brother over the Browns who got yeah. Almost that's like time. a that's like a hey the adults are talking like that that's what you need a meme or like you need to find a, a video or something be like hey shut you know stay stay over at the kids I've been getting deep into talking. the uh, the pinning heads on the things game so maybe I'll find some uh, scene yeah. yeah and like do that but uh, next one Wookie Nookies not a question but a statement Lamar gonna cramp all over those Titans I think he means poop is what he's saying. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was the, the poop joke. Yeah. Yeah. And then he follows up with try, he tried to keep it PG. So there we go. Shout I would appreciate man. it if you thanked him for keeping it PG. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for your service, Wookie Nookie. Nookie. Great listener of the show. Uh, Shane Spicer. Oh, I, thought Wookie, I thought you were saying Wookie Nookie was the statement. And I was like, all right, let's. That's, how he, off, that's how he starts off all his tweets. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's, he's a great listener of the show. Shane Spicer, uh, when Elliot bodies Henry for the second time on Sunday, what color jersey should I order? You know, the whole like Deshaun Elliott hit thing, like it was sick in the moment. And, like it's great, like highlight to look back on. But like with the fourth quarter and overtime that Henry had, I'm just really not going to be gloating too hard on that. So I had four different responses typed out to that guy. <laughs> I would, I would, and then I deleted every one because like. I was like, I, I'm just trying to, you know, we'll do some good karma. Maybe things will go my way this weekend, and it would be a real shame if I chirp back at him, you know, Monday or Sunday, something just like that. Bite your tongue and wait. I like that approach. I'll yeah, and and it, that, or I'll just hold it in, and it'll burn a hole in me for the next, I don't know, forty or fifty years. Um, but like, I, and I was watching the game again last night. It was on NFL Network, and I said on the podcast, like, oh no, guys, Deshaun Elliott just hit Derrick Henry. Like, this looks pretty bad. Like. <laughs> He may be out Such for the game. Asshole, like, dude. I would really hate it if that, like, kick-started Henry's run in the second half. And, like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, yeah, he, he hit him as he was jumping in the air. Like, it was a great hit. It was an awesome hit. And, like, it looked awesome. It was, it, was, it was really cool. And the picture of him standing over him is great. But it was like, he kind of, I mean, the Titans won the game. <laughs> Derrick Henry had a, Derrick Henry kind of ran off with it after yeah, that. Henry, like, the, the, the Earl Thomas stiff arm has about, one one hundredth the impact if the Ravens won that game. Oh, absolutely! Like, so it's like not a thing anymore. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, like Derrick Henry owns Earl Thomas, but like we're not going to talk shit. I mean, well, listen, if we're getting into meta territory, maybe he wouldn't have had a you know an orgy with his brother and you know cheated on his wife and gotten thrown out of town if you know Derrick Henry didn't traumatize him like that. Who could possibly very say? True. Who was it? Taylor last night on our podcast said he was like, I rewatched that the the Derrick Henry stiff arm. He's like, 
after seeing all the stiff arms he had this year, he's like, that one wasn't that bad. Really, yeah. I said it was only bad because of the picture where you. It's see just it's photogenic. Like out. he's got his arm out. Yeah, it's like it works it's a in a picture. Visual, yeah, but yeah. he was like, Henry it wasn't bad completely thought. and utterly useless. And like, Henry just like looks. Henry just looks massive compared to like anyone. So like, if you get if you get close to him and he sticks that arm out, you got a good chance of getting posterized. Or uh, he'll just like hit you right in the face with it. Like he did the guy in the Lions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mega tough scene there for our guy, Earl, uh, Zeej Batman. So we've all assumed that teams would go after wink as a head coach. So why haven't we seen requests yet? Two other guys have been reached out for a GM spot. Our team's not allowed to request him because of playoffs. And if he does go, who replaces him? I think they are right. And they yeah, can do like allowed. zoom, right? Yeah, they're allowed there. That's happened for the enemy's already, has like I think he's already interviewed like three times or something. The Jets and the Texans, yeah, I think we're looking at him. And maybe it's because the Chiefs have a bye week, but I think they would be like we. I, I think there would be announcements like we plan to interview Week Martindale if blah blah blah. I don't know. He didn't get. I think he only interviewed for the Giants job last year. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer. I'm not sure why. With some of the recent hires that have gone on, and I love Wink, and I think he'd be a good head coach, but like selling a fan base on a guy like Wink Martindale, I think is a lot harder than a guy like Robert Sala or like Brandon Staley. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's tough. Uh, Matthew T. Bunting. After the loss in the playoffs last year, I remember hearing in the battle of the bigs, O-line, D-line, tight end, that the Ravens fell short. Is that the case again? Do the Ravens even need to win that particular battle this time around to win? Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. So I, I enjoy this question because it kind of does seem to distill down some of the things you were hitting on with uh, the issues that the defense was facing. So what kind of game are you expecting is what I'm asking, I guess. Well, the Ravens started running to the perimeter endlessly more. Uh, That was the very beginning when they started using J.K. Dobbins to attack the perimeter laterally first and then getting upfield. They have really changed. They've solidified what they're doing their offensive line. Um, You know, the Titans didn't really like smack down on the Ravens offensive line. They just, Ravens couldn't complete passes when they needed to. Like, fucking Lamar was late on, like, five or six throws. Like, missed a couple touchdown opportunities because he was simply staring at it and waited too long like Derek Carr always fucking does. And uh, I don't don't think the Titans really dominated that one. They get saffled back in this one. But Clay's Campbell, Brandon Williams coming back is definitely going to put more stress on that Titans offensive line. I think that offensively for the Ravens, a little bit of a stalemate where it's like, Simmons is going to win a couple blocks and I'm sure a couple other guys on the Titans will, but the Ravens will like, they're not going to put anyone on their ass on the Titans defensive line. The Ravens offensive line doesn't put anyone on their ass unless they're double teaming someone. They move you a yard off the ball, but it just feels like Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, all, having a healthy rotation won't wear down late in the game. Uh, and I think the Ravens, I mean, at this point you have to think Campbell and Williams are like going to play one of the better games they've had the best game they've had all year with the way they're talking. So if they don't, they're going to look like similar to last year, like talking a lot of shit before they've walked the walk. So uh, not they're necessarily talking shit, but they're like, oh, well, you didn't have us last time. It's like, all right, well, if you get fucking ran over and aren't getting off of blocks, then great. Glad you said that. Like that did a lot. So I anticipate the Ravens will win a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Pretty stalemate on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's yeah I mean, be- I, I think I, I was just going to say like they have – Calais and Brandon Williams back like those are those are two decently sized human beings so I, th- I think you know I think they're definitely in the advantage there just just literally having their bodies on the field for sure and I kind of it does follow up a little bit with uh, our guy Ravens burner who's got the the mustard pants as his abby which is great 
Uh, do you see Curse getting some run, or is he just depth? Don't really know if he's got any range. Spencer, what do you think about this? Because he's 6'4", you know, kind of, you know, got some athleticism there at safety. What do you think about Jaron Curse in this game? I think he would only get in in the event of an injury. Uh, I don't see them, like, getting a guy, him not playing in a single game, and then you're just tossing him out there. Like, in maybe, like, two snaps or something. I don't know. Maybe there's a look, a package, a personnel that the Ravens have him in a package for to go cover Janu Smith or something. I Titans don't really split him out wide much, so that wouldn't even really make sense necessarily, plus he's a monstrous blocker. Uh I don't I don't think that Wink is like thinking like, all right, we're getting curse on the field right now. I think feel like he's more for depth and maybe next week if the Ravens are to advance, that could be a possibility. But as of now I, ju- I just don't see him in the most important game probably that your team has played in six years about since that Patriots playoff game. I don't think you're you're throwing a new guy into the fire immediately. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, last one from Twitter, this one kind of specifically for you, RDT, from our boy Clay. Uh, what young Orioles pitchers do you hope to see in the majors this year, and when does Adley get to start littering Utah with dingers? Oh, so littering, meaning, love it. Just dropping the trash. Meaning like... like when does he get called up, I guess is what he said. Like I can't pick, I can't pick Dean Kramer. Pick him and keep going. Pick all him right. and keep going. Answer both. Answer both. there. Because, I mean, like, how many, like, D.L. Hall, like, you could name, like, name all these guys, right? Yeah, but, like, like D.L. and Grayson aren't going to be up this year. Like, maybe it's, like, an Alex Wells type guy who's throws 91, 92, like, 93 on a good day. But, like, it's just a pinpoint, you know, accuracy guy. Um, he's, I mean, he was making headlines for, like, his walk numbers being, like, the lowest that, his, that the league has ever seen. Um, that'd be fun to kind of watch until Judge, you know, plants one four fifty to dead center. Um, I was gonna say in this division that might be a tough sell, but <laughs> yeah, you know, in the middle of July in Camden Yards and the ball's flying. Um, no, I mean, you know, a guy like that. Um, you know, they who else are they? The Zach Louthers and 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 some of those guys who have done pretty well down on the farm. Um, I, I, give, give me Alex Wells. Give me the Australian because you know. We're big on Australians uh, here in Baltimore. We we love our uh, our Aussie brothers, um, especially and when ones Adley, on Twitter. That uh, when does Adley come up? I'm I'm hoping. I mean, I, I think we definitely see him by the end of the year. Like, I don't I don't think it'll be like All Star break. They'll bring him up, or they'll. I was thinking um, like late August, maybe. I, maybe that's yeah, a little I, I I could see that, and and again, get him some run, and 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 get him in the mix a little bit and again just comfortable with the teammates and, and the guys and i guess it kind of depends on on when because now i think it was yesterday or two days ago they came out and said the um minor league season was going to be you know they're not they're not going to start it on time they're they're going to wait i think till all the triple a guys are out and the and the, the major league guys are out of the spring training um uh, um what am i what's the word like facility and then once they're gone, they're going to quarantine it and get it all clean. And then they're going to bring in the, the, the lower level guys. So someone asked me if they, if, if I thought that was going to affect Adley coming up, I don't, I mean, not much. Cause again, he's not, he's not coming up to win this year. We'll, we'll say that. And, and I think there's a couple more years before that, but we're, uh, I'm definitely excited. Like you said, I, I think late August, if they, if they do it early September, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. He's Gun to a- your head real quick. Gun to your head. Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall. One of them is the answer. One of them is not. Who is Grayson? Is or is it? Is okay. I think he's just like they're right around the same age, right? I think. Yeah, I think they're. Paul might be twenty-two, and Rodriguez is twenty-one, maybe. I think so. Something like that. But 
I mean, the way that like Grayson is built like a like a major league pitcher, like he's gigantic, lanky, Texas strong guy, like six five, two twenty, yeah. And it's almost like I almost wish it wasn't like this, where it's like Dylan Bundy when he came out of high school was like, oh, the guy's never lifted a barbell in his life. He he lives on a farm in Oklahoma and he just dig holes. That like that's his workout. You know, it's like same thing. Like I could see them being like, yeah, Grayson Rodriguez actually used to like. like deadlift steers in his in his uh you know in his hometown of Texas and I mean the, when the video came out during quarantine of him throwing the ball over the lake it was like a three hundred and fifty foot lake and he's just long tossing it was like yeah this guy is uh g- g- give me that guy I mean I I'm definitely excited to to see him um you know just absolutely punch out guys at the major league level and and I'm excited I mean I'm excited for Hall too like don't get me wrong I just feel like. I don't know, just the way he's built. I'm like, that's that's a pitcher. Like that guy, like I just said, whoever was built, Rashawn Evans was put on earth to tackle people. Like Grayson Rodriguez was put on earth to throw a ball 99 miles an hour right past you. Yeah, he's a fucking unit. I cannot yeah. cannot wait to watch him. I mean, Adley too. I'm even like whatever limited run he does get this year. Those TikToks are getting me a little little itchy over here. Dude, and that's like like the 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 what do they call it? Batting practice bros or whatever. The, those videos that they've been putting out. Of, yeah, we've been going back and forth on those a little bit. I think those. Are oh sick. my god. They're, they're they're great. They're f- so much fun to watch, and like the sound and people. I mean, people on Barstool did not. The commenters on Barstool did not think it was as cool as I did. Legalized metal. Like, legalized metal. Cool. A guy, the number one pick, is hitting the ball three hundred and eighty feet with a metal bat. Like, what's so special? It's, it's like I don't know. Did, do, like, do you have like, ears? Like, do you enjoy yeah, fun? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, close your eyes, dude. Like, this is the best sound in sports. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, it's tough. I was, I was like, I'm not. I was like, I'm not even getting in the mud in this one. I, I'm leaving. Once, this one once he gets up here full time, I hope uh, you guys get into some video content with him in that regard because uh, we've we've already tried to set up a um, the kicking competition with him and Tucker. Like, I think that I think there's a legit chance that happens. Like, okay, I don't know if Brandon Hyde wants it or if Michael Elias wants it. <laughs> Probably not. Um, I, I, but I think we could get something there. And and I've talked to Adley about doing a. Uh, uh, a mini golf tournament. There you go. If you follow him on Instagram, he's always golfing, or and then him and his buddies go mini golfing. And so, I grew up 150 feet from quote the longest, uh, the world's longest mini golf hole down in uh, Laurel, Maryland. So that's really? what the sign says. So it has to be true. Absolutely. Um, so we can, uh, you know, we we want to do like a Ryder Cup type thing, or uh, you know, one of those tournaments. So. As long as you as long as you let us uh, attend, then I'm I'm totally down. Oh, absolutely. What's the place yeah. in Laurel called? Rocky Gorge. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's Rocky another one yeah. too, right? Isn't there another one? Monster or something? Yeah, like? yeah. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, not that one. That's like right off Route One, like okay, the indoor yeah. the indoor monster golf course or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been to that one, <laughs> and I don't think I will. No, no. But no. yeah, Rocky Gorge. My, we, I grew up. I mean, we could see those lights. Like we used to walk there. We would sprint through the cow pastures. Um, with our like baseball bats in our hands, running to the batting cage there. So yeah, I played that hole a bunch of times. I do follow Adley on Instagram, and like him being in Oregon, like I just wrapped up watching uh, like one of my favorite like golf YouTube channels. Like just did their whole like travel series out in Oregon, and I'm so jealous. Like watching him, that's got to be a nice nice place to call home. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm sure Adley doesn't have a problem getting getting any tee times or uh, getting on any courses out there. I would not think he does. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's all we have from Twitter. I guess we can hop into the YouTube comments out here. Not take up too much more of your time. First one coming from our boy WB Caps. 
Uh, he got some interesting replies here from the people in the comments below, but he starts off with uh, really enjoying the non-football question. So here we go. What is everyone's stance on storing chocolate candy in the fridge, pro or con? For me, it's like you, if you do it, you can't be doing it for too long because you don't want it to freeze, but I do like doing it here and there. I, I like when it's a little bit like half, like I like when chocolate melts a little bit. Like you leave it, a lo- leave it, not like you left it in your fucking car in the sun <laughs> for 16 years and found like some disgusting nougat nougat god nougat thing but i like it's a little bit melty i think it brings out the the sweetness i mean i i have no problem putting chocolate like i'm good for like a reese's cup in the fridge oh like i can give it that those are the goat for doing that yeah Yeah. and like like my mom used to always keep like a just like a bag of hershey's kisses like in the back of the fridge so it was always like a nice like oh i forgot there we got these back here but i mean like if we're talking like like thin mints have to stay in the freezer like those don't those don't leave like they, they. It's not a fridge. They, they go different. right in the freezer. Oh, they're cold and they're minty. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like you bite into it, and you can just feel like the the frost explosion. It's it's delicious. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't shame someone for not keeping it in there. But yeah, I'll, I'll throw a Reese's cup or two in there every now and then. Just got a hot flash to like Kramer talking about the junior mints, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I guess we can roll right through that. Uh, we had ba- our boys, William and Bailey and the doc kind of going back and forth from each other. They're always doing that. So they're, they're having a little fun, but we can skip over all that. Uh, Wookie Nookies follows up from his Twitter question in here with, uh, he keeps his in the fridge right next to the ketamine, which listen, however you get down, I'm not going to judge, but uh, mm-hmm. move on from that. <laughs> J.E. Wong, our boy says, holy crap, you guys got Derek Henry on an interview. Wait, are we talking to Derrick Henry or Tennessee's defense? Also, goddamn, Spenny's beard looking glorious. Yours is coming along, Jake. You'll get there. <laughs> Jake's had some monster beard. My beard's fucking diesel right now. I don't know what this guy's talking about. I <laughs> cut it. also had some girth dragons. I do, yeah. Like, like year and a half. Yeah, and it, um, I did cut it like six weeks ago, too, so it's kind of coming back in. But uh, then he says... Uh, Spitting could be considered chemical warfare in today's COVID world. In these uncertain times, you got to be careful with. Marcus Peters would know. Listen, we That's did have a, a comment in here about that, I believe. Squash 28 can't cover. Don't know what he's working. Yeah, so Wookie Nookies, once again, he's just having a banner night. Peters gave the Browns COVID with his bio spit attack on Landry. So that's certainly, certainly possible. Uh, William Bounds, Dobbins, and Lamar about to go gash the Titans D wide open, hopefully. Uh, he also says Lamar going deep, deep air yards to Dez for the X. I feel like Dez can't run more than 20 yards. Um, <laughs> J.E. Wong, Ravens had 500-plus yards of offense against the Titans in the playoffs and scored 12 points. LMAO kill me. yards have nothing to do with points. Uh, yeah, you got to love yards Twitter. Like, dude, he had more yards. Like, sick. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, they're playing a lot cleaner these past few weeks. Hopefully it will translate into points when the playoffs start. Uh, our boy Tony Ferrari up in Canada says... Derrick Henry looks different on a webcam. Weird. Yeah, you do look a little different, I got to say. Cut the hair. I don't, too. I don't, you can't see the, the my massive one dread in the back. Hiding back there? But it's I my mean, favorite thing ever. The perfect thing to close out on, though, is our boy Davon Johnson says, I thought it was Nick Wright in the thumbnail at a glance. Oh, God. I, is I that, never uh, have Nick Wright on the show. Well, I'm, him and you, I are both big LeBron guys. I was going to say that. Yeah, there's, so. a, there's a good connection there. Yeah, I could, I, I could get down with some Nick Wright. I, I don't. I, I just remember hearing him on part of my take and being like, oh, he's, he's not that bad. Like anyone who goes, the- anyone who like goes on a show like that, I feel like it, they, they can kind of make fun of themselves a little bit, which I do like. And it always ends up like on part of my take, they come up or like I went into the show not caring about Nick Wright at all. And after that, I was like, I can have a beer. It's the same guy. thing. Like, like if gonna- a celebrity went on like Entourage in like 2005, it's like, oh, that yeah, guy's cool. 
was like, oh, Michael Phelps was on this week. That was that was awesome. Like, I, I love that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was like, I remember when they had the swimmers on in like 2016. That was like big time when I was right getting into Barstool and like part of my take was kind of my first introduction and that, it just blew my mind. Wouldn't be doing this without it. So here we are. But hey, man, hour and a half. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your time and your expertise and uh, the humor. Uh, a lot of fun. Nice little friendship I think we've developed here and uh, we hope to have you on, uh, you know, in the, in the coming months, years, you know, whatever it is. And uh, hope you have a fun one on Sunday, though I do hope your team loses. So once again, thanks. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's always, it's always fun to come on and, and, and chop it up with you guys. And again, I feel like now this is going to be like a yearly thing. And I feel like... They, they play again next year. There you go. No, I don't... No, they don't. No, no Hens, Jameson Hensley like accidentally tweeted that they did. So I was going to say, there was like that graphic going around and it was like, they play the Titans at home again. And I was like, I don't... I don't think they do because, like, right, right, I was like, right, right. I looked at the Titans and the Ravens definitely weren't on there. But yeah, I don't know. Again, it will uh, maybe maybe we'll see the, this budding rivalry. Smith gone. That's the final question. Is Arthur Smith gone? Oh well, J- Jake's buddy JLC was saying that like he wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you know, um, I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't be surprised yeah, if he gets hired. Nothing Jacksonville is going to do. It's Trevor Lawrence. Me and my kids are watching Ryan Ryan Mountcastle. My Red Sox are just having a great game. He's. Worst. That's the um, debut of my JLC on here, by the way, too. It's, I literally was listening to him today in the car, and he went, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. You know, okay. And, like, he's just – but he was saying, like, you know, obviously he's getting attention for head coaching jobs, and he was like, it wouldn't surprise me. Again, it's going to be the 1 o'clock game on Sunday. People are going to be watching. He's like, it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to get cute, and he – you know, with his agent watching and other teams watching, like if he's almost like, this is like a precursor to an interview. And he's like, hey, watch this. Here's what we can do. And he's like, and if he just starts pulling out all these stops and A.J. Brown throwing, you know, trick plays and stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, I would love it if he stayed. I think he's, I mean, he's been fantastic the last, again, it was like ever since Tannehill took over, they've just been, they've been very, very good. And, and he's just been a, damn genius with the ball um uh i think i think he will i think he will be gone um i don't know where i hope it's not you know houston or someone like that like that's what I'm, like if he goes to like a sean watson same thing with like eric the enemy like god it's gonna be terrifying if if deshaun watson and and you know if if only deshaun watson had like a number one receiver that they that they had over yeah that they too. could just rely on and you know yeah. not trade somebody he could just throw to on third down that the guy dreads like massive hands, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think, I think he's probably gone and, and I mean, good for him. This is, this is what, you know, I want him to get a head coaching job. I would prefer if it was after, you know, a game in early February or something like that, that he leaves, but we'll see. Yep, definitely. Well, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Um, would be remiss if I didn't mention kind of a weird time and, uh, Kind of glad that we weren't scheduled to record yesterday with everything that had gone on down in D.C. So, you know, obviously, hopefully we can provide a little bit of a respite here. Hopefully the Ravens can provide that this weekend and uh, hang in there. You know, hopefully things will get better and get normal here in 2021. Off to a little bit of a rocky start, but we will certainly see. And uh, you guys can always hit us up if you ever want to talk about any of that stuff. But uh, appreciate it. Once again, RDT, Spenny, thank you for your time as well. Nice little tight hour and a half. I like that a lot. So. We're going to get out of here on that, Mark. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That is the number four in the middle. Eric, where can they find you and your stuff? I'm at E-D-I-T-T-I 22 on Twitter. Um, 
find me on barstoolsports.com and Exit 52 podcast. It's Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, buddy. Have yourself a great weekend and uh, enjoy the game. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>